Greetings, Cultivators Worldwide. Jordan River here, back at you with more Growcast, hot off the podcast presses. Today, we have a brand new guest here to talk about vegetable gardening and growing with organic liquid nutrients and growing all sorts of different species of plants. Kyle from the FUP is here, and today's episode is going to knock your socks off. Kyle is a longtime second-generation horticulturalist. He knows a lot about plants, and he's going to blow your mind with a very entertaining and very educational episode today. Before we get into it with Kyle, though, shout out to AC Infinity, baby. ACinfinity.com, code GROWCAST15 to get your savings and keep the lights on here at GROWCAST. We appreciate your support, and we love AC Infinity. They make the best grow tents around, extra thick poles. They've got nice, durable, thick siding. Now they have the new side ports. People have been asking for those, and AC Infinity, listen. Plus, they've got everything else you need to grow. They've got lights and pots and fans and their oscillating fans the cloud ray system check out their humidifiers the cloud forge how nice is your humidifier maybe it's time to replace that the cloud rays are my favorite oscillators on the market and of course their cloud line series what they got it all started with all those years ago when we were partners with ac infinity all they made were those inline fans and they're the best in the game so shout out to the entire AC Infinity suite. They've got everything you need to get growing from fans to tents to lights. Code GROWCAST15WORKS at acinfinity.com. You support us and you're getting some badass, durable grow gear while you're doing it. So thank you to all you listeners using code GROWCAST15 and thank you to AC Infinity. We got some big giveaways coming up, so stay tuned, everybody. All right, let's get into it with Kyle. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, podcast listeners. You are now listening to Growcast. I'm your host, Jordan River, and I want to thank you for tuning in again today. Before we get started, as always, I urge you to share this show. Send this episode to a grower that you know. Get someone growing for the first time. It's the best way you can help us at Growcast Podcast. Share this episode. It's going to be a dope one. And see everything that we're doing at growcastpodcast.com slash action. That's where you can find all the action, the membership, the seeds, the classes, and everything. So, everyone, today we are back on the show for an amazing episode all about other plants that we'll be growing, all about organic gardening and maximizing our yields and our sticky, sticky harvests using liquid organic nutrients. Today, as a first-time guest, we have from the FOOP, it's Kyle. What's up, Kyle? Hey, man. How are you? Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. I am doing excellent. Thank you for coming on the show, everyone. Kyle is an incredible grower. He grows a lot of plants, not just cannabis. Lots and lots and lots of plants. You can find him on Instagram at Green Ninja Growers and see everything he's doing. He's also good friends and working over at the FOOP on their liquid organic nutrient lines. Kyle, it was dope meeting you, man, hanging out in Virginia. You are a uh, deep well of knowledge when it comes to not just cultivating cannabis, but cultivating a lot of different plants, man, you were showing me you're growing flowers, you're growing vegetables, you're growing herbs. Can we start there? Can we start with your background? Uh, what brought you into horticulture and what brought you into cannabis as well? Yeah. So, um, I am a second gen horticulturist. My mom was a plant person. She grew up in the industry and uh, actually, later I found out even my grandmother grew African violets on my father's side for ribbon awards back Whoa. in the day. So weirdly enough, I come from a background of plant people. My growing industry, I have been in the ag industry. So production for basils, flowers, shrubs, trees, a lot of production for garden centers. If you went to go buy plants at a store, I grew them. 
So I grew, yeah, I grew, uh, I don't know, a few million plants a year overall, you know, a million basil plants seasonally through COVID, especially it ex- exploded. Jeez. So we had a, yeah, we had a lot of production happening. So when it comes to growing, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, my specialties in woodies, which is trees and shrubs, but along with that, with native perennials, you know, I'm one of those people that like always point out exactly what something is when you're walking down the street <laughs> and nobody cares but me. Um, but I'll tell you what the Latin is on the tree. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, that is true. I did experience that firsthand, but that is really cool, man. So all the Home Depots, all the Lowe's, the, these types of stores are, are nurseries. Is that who you were slanging these millions of basil plants to? Yeah, the place I worked um, was uh, had their own two retail stores and they did. They had a lot of production and we sold a lot of stuff to uh, Virginia, Maryland. And then previous to that, I worked um, at a couple other tree farms and was a retail horticulturist in a big nursery. So my life has been plants. You know, I started getting into it at a young age. I was raised a little free. So cannabis was a little bit more of a not so much of a faux pas in my family. Sure. So it was a little bit more of a casual growing experience when I was younger, too. I did have a couple plants in the garden and so forth through the years. So I've been growing just everything and anything for my whole life. Jesus. So you've you've been growing cannabis for a long time, too, then, huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, even through the years. Yeah, pretty much my entire life. That's I mean, crazy. I joke. I tell people all the time it's just been a plant to me. You know, it's just how I was raised. Never hurt anybody. Never done anything wrong. Just kind of one of the plants I grow. So <laughs> that is people so don't killer. ask me questions when they see big grow lights in my house. They just assume I'm growing some weird. Plant <laughs> yeah, good call. You're like, yeah, I got I got basil to grow. You know? Yeah, when the officer buys trees from me at the nursery, local nursery, they don't ask questions. <laughs> oh boy, sounds nice. Which trees were you after, officer? <laughs> yeah. So just really quick before we get into the specifics of of your growing of all these different plants, um, when you're when you're doing those huge grows to sell to nurseries and hardware stores and stuff like that, are you popping from seed? You pop all those basil from seed and then sell them? Yeah, actually. So there's a lot of ways you can do it, but the cheaper you can go, the better, right? You're always growing for pennies in that industry. So you can get little plugs and little 500 plugs in one tray, which are very tiny. But what we got down to were seeds. So we were seeding pretty much, I was seeding a few hundred trays a week, just seeding them. And then a week or so later, about 10 days later, they were growing big enough and I would get them out to the stores. Wow. And then we also, and every year, once a year, we did a tomato sale, which was uh, A to Z. So there's a one tomato, at least one tomato for every letter of the alphabet. And I would seed over 15,000 tomatoes with me and just a couple ladies my helpers and it was just three of us and I would be sitting there seating from six, seven o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night with a headlamp, wow. you know, with headphones in just, just seeding, seeding tomato seeds. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways we do it, but I, yeah, we single-handedly with a team of three or four would seed millions of plants. That is wild, dude. That is so yeah. cool. You, yeah, you know, every day, all day. That is a, a big kind of trend in the cannabis industry that I've noticed, which is cannabis truly is a gateway drug, but not how they say it is. It's a gateway drug when you start growing it because you start growing cannabis. And the next thing you know, you want to start growing everything else. It's a trend that I've seen with home growers. And it's something I want to kind of dive into 
here with you because you have experience with all these different plants, you know, and, and not all these plants eat the same, not all these plants act the same. So I'd like to ask to you for those cannabis growers who are looking to expand into other plants, right? Maybe they had some successful harvests under their belt and now they want to grow some vegetables. Maybe they want to grow some herbs. What would you recommend? Maybe like your top three plants to expand out into as a cannabis grower, maybe something close nutritionally, something that we wouldn't be too thrown off by growing. First step, peppers. Pepper guys and girls out there are crazier than cannabis growers. <laughs> you guys think you're fancy with your, you know, mothballs, hurricane mixed with Oreo, banana pop. No, 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 no. <laughs> pepper guys and girls out there, we're talking people that love hot peppers and have been crossbreeding and breeding peppers for competitions for years. They have their own cannabis cups. But with peppers, you know, um, I met a guy back in the day. He used to come into the nursery I used to work at and he would bring these peppers. Well, he would bring them in with rubber gloves on in three Ziploc bags and be like, don't touch them, but just slice them up and put them in a burger or something. It'd be great or a salsa. And I'm like, so I can't touch it with my hands, but you want me to put that inside. <laughs> and he was like some scorpion Trinidad, like hybrid with a habanero. I mean, he would come in. And he had a curly mustache and everything, the <laughs> long curl mustache. And he was, a, and, you know, missing an ear. I mean, he was a really eclectic guy, <laughs> but like, this is like the pepper world. Right. And these people love it. And there are so many varieties and people out there crossbreeding. If you're out there breeding and cross pollinating cannabis, you're literally doing the same thing for peppers. And it will almost feel like a rinse and repeat, not only in the process but also in the nutrition, right? So like peppers are very heavy feeders. They need a lot of good iron. They're very nitrogen heavy because it takes a lot to produce those peppers. Sure. So a lot of times what I end up doing is like, if I'm growing peppers at my house, I for my whole life have been using what I would grow any cannabis with, right? Whatever that may be. Right. So I do use heavier fertilizers or when I was growing production, I grew, you know, 60, 70 varieties and, I would always mix that pot, that mix of fertilizer a few hundred ppm heavier than everybody else. Right. Okay. So they were definitely heavy feeders, but it will feel very homey and comfortable to cannabis growers because they're also small and you could easily grow them in a tent, which is huge. Right. And so cannabis eats a lot, right? You talk about these heavier yeah. feeds, like compared to these other plants, cannabis is a heavy feeder and you're saying peppers can kind of keep up with that cannabis regimen. Yeah. Yeah, in a lot of ways. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily ever have to flip to some like bloom fertilizer with heavier phosphorus. You know, really what you'll find is the whole growth through. They're really just nitrogen drinkers. Sure. You know, for tomatoes, tomatoes is the next one. You know, everybody knows tomatoes. A lot of cannabis growers do grow tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And one of the things is, is that, you know, there's a lot of crazy varieties. There's a lot of hybrid going on. You know, there's tomatoes on websites like Baker Creek Seeds which are already out of stock for next spring. I'm not talking like two months. I'm talking like 2024 spring right. already sold out. I've noticed that. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. So you guys, you know, we think like, oh, the next drop of a seed from a breeder is a big <laughs> deal. We're like, you know, garden ladies have been worrying and stressing over this since magazines were how you ordered them. Right? <laughs> like, 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 this has been a thing. So Holy a lot shit. of people... Yeah, a lot of people don't realize it. So like, you know, I mean, I have a seed catalog that's bigger than a phone book from one company. 
You know, there's a couple big, really massive companies out there. Seeds and genetics in the plant world is just as sought after. Yeah, big deal. Yeah, so you can get really in nerdy into varieties of tomatoes. You can bake that off of how you use them or what flavor you're going for. And then you can also do peppers, which is basically like how spicy are you willing to torture yourself? Hell yes. You know, now we're close. Yeah, now right? we're close to taco dinner. Um, yeah. So so I like both these ideas. I also like these plants because they're plants that will keep producing, right? Like if you grow – I grew a cherry tomato bush, right? And if the thing got out of control. It got huge. It just kept growing and growing. I was feeding it cannabis nutrients. But it, it, it lived for so long and just kept producing and producing and producing. If we stuck these in our grow tent, would we just be able to continually harvest kind of perpetually? Well, it depends on the variety. So with um, tomatoes, there's indeterminate and determinants. So indeterminants are tomatoes that will keep producing a staggered amount of fruit actively. They're in, their ending is not determined, right? So it's an indeterminate. So the other ones are like some tomatoes that'll grow these big old honking beef steaks. Yeah. And they'll be a determinant, which means that bad boy is going to do everything it can, grow one crop of flower and fruit, and that's it. Okay. So when you're doing it, yes, you 100%. Cherry tomatoes tend to be more indeterminate than determinant. But there is both things in both sections. Wow. So there are some, like, as long as you're like, hey, look, I want to repeat the uh, fruiter. Then you just make sure you're getting an indeterminate tomato and you're fine. Wow. And with those and tomatoes, just like peppers needing nitrogen, tomatoes is a cow mag thing. So people get blossom and rot and they have this in the ag industry. They don't give you cow mag. There is no cow mag bottle <laughs> in a garden center. Right. So I always laugh. This is something I always laughed about. And I was like, I didn't know why, but it just never was. What they give you is there's a bottle that they would spray and it's a cow mag spray. So you would spray this on your tomatoes and they won't rot on the bottom. They get a thing called blossom end rot, which is actually just a calcium deficiency. Right. Because the skin of a tomato and everything in tomato is super calcium based. So they're heavy, basically heavy flower feeders. So if you were feeding a veg bloom setup, those would actually take your bloom bottles over your veg, which your, your peppers could use. So in theory, if you got like an A-B veg and bloom set up, you could take your veg A-B, feed your pepper plants, and your bloom A-B, and feed your tomato plants. That's killer. That is so cool. And use them kind of in sync. Now, again, you could always like, if the tomato plant's little and small, use your veg. When it starts flowering, you're not changing that. It's outside, or it does it automatically, or there's some time restraints on some plants. Just there's photosensitivities, just like cannabis. But a lot of times, once it starts flowering, then you would just move it to your bloom, just like a cannabis plant. That is so and cool, man. So it's very in sync. And there's a lot of things you'll end up doing. You're like, this is just like, you could just do one on the side and have free tomatoes all year. Fuck. Yes, that's exactly what I'm encouraging people to do who are yeah. listening to this episode. Before we continue on with, with the third plant, I got to take a little bit of a left turn and dive into something you said, which is this idea of pest pressure being a symptom of calcium deficiency. This idea that calcium builds up that cellular wall and strengthens the resistance zone between between the the plant and and its its rhizosphere and its 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 microbiome and then things like molds, mildews, pathogens, water molds. I am really starting to realize that you know that's what I, we were talking to another guest and they were saying 
the, the easiest sign of calcium deficiency is a fungal pathogen. It's disease pressure because the plant isn't showing a deficiency necessarily, but the cell wall isn't as thick as it could be if you had loaded that calcium. Is that kind of what you're saying with the tomatoes? That's why they add the calcium to strengthen that cell wall and prevent a pathogen, a fungal pathogen. Yeah. I mean, that's why the tomato in general, that's what it uses for that, that whole wall, that whole skin on the outside. It's all is calcium. Basically all calcium, right? Wow. So, and yeah, like in a lot of ways, plants use things, but it wouldn't even just be like saying it's just calcium would kind of close a lot of doors. Whereas like silica, like silica right. is 100% based for cell wall strengthening. So if you use silica on foliage or on a plant or in the roots or whatever, you're actually building cell walls, which is protecting against wilt, against heat stress, temperature stress, bug pressure, you know, any sort of disease pressure. When you look at mold growing on foliage, what it is is a little spore and that spore sticks this little tentacle out and kind of finds like a cell wall gap and tries to work its way in. So if those cells are really, you know, tight together and they're really thick and they're yes. strong, you won't have that like that breakdown where there's a moment where that mold can find penetration. The break and in that's the armor, one of the biggest thing. Yeah, You're exactly. So a right. chink in the armor is what they're looking for. Exactly. And uh, we were we were just talking with um, dyslexic stoner. He's the he's the microbe guy. You guys, why can't I think of his name? You listeners know who I'm talking about. The the pathogen <laughs> specialist. And he showed. This exact thing, a drawing of the cell wall and how the fungal tentacle, like you said, slips in between those cells and through those cells. So just crazy that we're thinking about, again, calcium, loading calcium, even if you don't see a deficiency, providing ample, ample calcium to your plants as long as uh, as well as silica and others. Yeah. Very, very cool, man. Super, super. It's cool. about keeping the plant healthy, right? It's just like everybody knows, like if you're taking vitamins to supplement your lack of diet. If you don't eat a lot of greens and, you know, you're lacking in iron and all, like you take a supplement, like that keeps you healthy, right? So just as we are, the more you keep the plant balanced with what it really wants available, the healthier that plant's going to be. The healthier that plant's going to be, the less it's going to trigger for other insects and other pathogens to come over. Right. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So back to this idea of veggie cannabis growers, love the tomatoes and peppers. Those both make a lot of sense. I've had some good success with jalapenos with cherry tomatoes, but I'm looking to go even bigger. What is your third top three veggies to grow? So a lot of people, um, if you're going like, and I can't say it's necessarily at this point, it wouldn't be as easy to do same tent because of temperatures and all, uh -huh. you know, if you, but if you were going to say, Hey, I've got this old veg tent. I don't use it anymore. You know, what can I use it for? I got this extra light. Uh -huh. You could put a very easy lettuce room together which in a cool basement basically won't need any heat or any cooling as long as you're just using like an LED or T5s. I mean, Ooh. with T5 light bulbs, if you did LED T5s, like a four bulb, one of those four bulb four foots mm -hmm. or something like that in a tent, you could grow enough lettuce to feed a small family. And it would be rotating like every couple to every three weeks, three, four weeks. Ooh, okay. You know? And you could you can get some colorful lettuce. This is planting lettuce and harvesting, like you said, and then replanting. Yeah, and you could do soil. Everybody immediately jumps to like what they see on the internet now with all those like styrofoam tables and hydros. You could do an ebb and flow table. You could do a hydro table, whatever your tech and you want. But if you're like, hey, I got an extra tent and a 
that a T5 light's going to cost me only a hundred and something dollars. I'm going to go ahead and grow some lettuce. You could do that in soil, in some pots, right in the tent with minimal effort. Ooh. Oh, tell with us. Some airflow. Tell us what you would do. What size pots would you do there? How hot of a mix? Do you go grab some like, some like uh, water only soil? You grab purple cow and use that or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's even easier. So you would literally, you don't even need to feed. So the thing about lettuces and all is they're kind of like Insta grows. So what I was testing uh, when I was testing fruit back in the day, we were running it on all sorts of herbs and veggies. And what I found is that my lettuce is like, honestly, anything more than like 100 ppms, it just kind of made it weird. So I was barely feeding, uh, if at all, a little bit of organics in there. If you made my personal way of doing it, you would probably be able to reutilize your soil. I know your guys here are all like living soil people and you have a lot of like diverse soil people. If you were doing a healthy soil, you should be able to plant lettuce in it multiple times. Wow. And as long as you got to keep your temperature, that's the difference. You got to keep your cool temps. It cannot get hot in there. When do they not like it? Do they not like the high seventies even? Not even like it's lower. It's like 55 for some broccoli, for some lettuces. um, Whoa. And, yeah, so there's it's a little cooler. I mean, some of them can go up to 80. There is definitely some little bit of difference between the varieties. You've got purple, green, all that stuff. But they really like about 55 to 65 degrees. Wow, that is it's quite literally, cold. Yeah, so a lot of basements, a lot of cellars. Um, if people are doing stuff in colder climates, like... You guys up north have a lot shorter, you know, we're kind of right below the short season, but like the north people, everybody up there, they've got a lot, a lot, a lot of time indoors and a lot of cold temps. Yeah. So even so, you know, putting a little like there's a lot of ways to do it, but a little bit of lettuce is a really good crop you can fill your time with and produce a good amount, you know? I fucking love that. Microgreens. Microgreens is a whole, that's a whole day of a talk. Oh, we we should do, I would do an episode on microgreens, man, because I I fucking love growing microgreens. And they're easy. That's so easy. You're right. You know, in an inert medium, they just, bam, you're ready to go. And in a four by four tent, you could make enough microgreens to, to literally not know what to do with them. Start a business. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what everybody else does. I actually set up, uh, I helped a lady look at her property and set some racks up and did a whole thing. And she, um, she was running for chefs. Local God chefs. damn, that is so cool. Yep. It's yeah, crazy. locally grown, fresh harvested, baby. Mm-hmm. Join the order of cultivation today. Our membership community at growcastpodcast.com slash membership. Our tight-knit family is waiting to help you elevate your garden game beyond your wildest dreams. We've got hundreds of hours of bonus content just for members. We've got weekly live streams, the members-only Discord, where people are meeting up in our different regional chapters. They're trading. They're helping each other out in their garden. The community is amazing. Plus, you get member discounts on things like Rain Science, Grow Bags, and Rimrock Analytical Testing, and a bunch of our partners, members only discounts deeper than anything else you can find out there, even for products like Dino Myco. Come on in, get it. All the live streams, all the AMAs, all the giveaways. It's all going down in the order of cultivation. Like I said, it's our little family of cultivators. We are very tight knit and we work hard every day to deliver value to you growers. You get discounts on the seeds at Growcast Seed Co. Our Oreo feminization just dropped and members get a huge discount on all their seeds. You also get discounts on the classes and events. We got community cups coming up. We got cultivators cups coming up, all sorts of classes 
The members get in on it first, and they always save. Go to growcastpodcast.com slash membership to see all the bonus content and all the bonus goodies. I'll see you there. Membership is open right now, so I cannot wait to have you in our Order of Cultivation family. Shout out to the Order of Cultivation. Shout out to all the members, all the mods who help get it done. I appreciate each and every one of you, and I will continue to work tirelessly for the Order. See you there. Man, that's an awesome exploration of uh, veggies because I know, like I said, this is a really hot topic and um, maybe we'll have to have you on for the members. We were going to do a veggie cast and we were going to have uh, Farmer John up there and Mary Beth Sanchez. Kyle, I'd love to invite you to do a Growcast TV sometime and talk more vegetables. Yeah. Anytime yeah. you're free, it's open invitation. Yeah, I would love to do that. I will talk growing plants of any types of anybody. Any day. <laughs> trees. Time to talk about shrubs. Yeah, trees, Let me tell shrubs, you about the shrub. Perennials, anything. <laughs> it's killer, man. Absolutely killer. But let's get into the cannabis side. You know, you work with yeah. FOOP, certified organic nutrients, a big supporter of this show. But I want to talk to you about this idea. You know, you said, I grow all plants the same. I want to know what that means. I want to talk about your cultivation style because I saw your garden. It looks fucking beautiful. Uh, you do it in kind like a pretty unique way. So what can you tell us about, you know, how you grow all these plants with different nutrient profiles and how you use the food? Yeah. So originally I started working with food uh, about five, six years ago as a tester. Uh, the owner CEO came to our growing facility and said, hey, we're interested in having an, uh, some testing done. But since cannabis wasn't fully legal, in a lot of the areas, especially around Maryland and Virginia and all at that time, there was really no official testing he could get done other than like some guy on Instagram who said, send me some free stuff. Right. We all know how that usually ends up. <laughs> so he was like, you know, uh, he's having a hard time getting real results, real like factual, like here's a real test done by someone who took the time to do it right. Because, we, you know, he was trying to figure it out. So he found us. And then he was introduced to me and I started testing our food garden, which was a product he had started working on early. And then he and I started working together and I was using food on everything from herbs and veggies. I was using it on perennials, but a lot of times we would use end up using salts because it was just cheaper for that end of the growing mm -hmm. than organics. But for all of my urban veggies, all of my tomatoes, all of my basil, it was all grown with uh, the food garden, which is a one bottle. And that is uh, what we kind of ran. And I would just kind of go off PPMs and just schedule it out. You know, like we were saying earlier, tomatoes, peppers, heavier feeding. So they would go heavier basils, herbs and stuff like that. More of a 200 to 300 lettuces, about 100. Mm, um, you know, so yeah, very low. Oh, well, when you talk to like, I would, when my owner there was getting like kind of interested in the cannabis growing and like wanted to know more because it was becoming more and more legal. He wanted to see, he always asked, he goes, well, what are they feeding? And I would tell them, you know, the PPMs and the EC that we, you know, use in this side of growing and they, they are blown away <laughs> because almost everything you've ever purchased has been grown with less than 500 PPM wow. of fertilizer. So there's a huge difference there. So that's something that was looking at when we first started. Well, then I started working with Larry Moore and he was like, hey, look, like, since I know you can do the cannabis testing, why don't you go ahead and do that? So I started working with cannabis testing on it. And that was a while ago. And so the reason the way I kind of I do something a lot different I'm not much of a nerdy, you know, grower where I'm in there every day. And really working on it and always trying to find new additives to add in. 
I grow a plant like a plant guy who doesn't have time to grow plants anymore. <laughs> so, you know, like I've been watering plants. I mean, you talk to me about watering. People are like, oh, I'm in there. You know, I was in my garden 15 hours this week. I used to water for 60 to 80 hours a week alone. So Jeez. just with two hoses, you know, you put headphones in, you'd cycle your headphones wireless three and four times through a day. And it was just like all day, you'd just be watering. So that's kind of, you know, I do things a lot simpler. I've done complicated grows. I've done, I do mostly experimental grows now. I'm always testing fruit against new products with new additives that to hit the market that get popular. I want to make sure they don't do anything weird with soup. So a lot of my gardens nowadays are more experimental. Whoa. Yeah. So I'm always testing. That's I'm always fun. running new ideas. What about your medium? I want to know. I want to know exactly how you grow. What size pot? What medium? How are you watering? How often are you watering? What's your pH schedule or, or strategy looking like? So I go two ways, right? So real soil mix. I'm a huge proponent of down to earth. A lot of you guys and girls will know it. Right. It is like one of the best products. It has been around for me for 20 years or whatever. I've been using it my entire life. Like before people thought, oh, you know, it's the best thing. Like this is, it was a product forever. So I will go two ways. Back in the day and still to this day, I will use ProMix. If I'm making my own blend, I'll start with a ProMix base because it's clean. It's easy. I know what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. I know its porosity rate. I know what it does. Right. So I work with Promix, usually BX. Uh, I know people use HP now. It's just, you know, I would add perlite to my BX and with HP, you don't have to. So a little bit of a half a step. The BX is like a, is like a medium porosity with extra mycorrhiza. Do I have that right? Yeah. Bacillus and all. Oh, that's right. Extra bacillus and all. And yeah. And I mean, if you get a fresh, if you get like a good fresh, like store of it, you'll get a really good healthy bag. Problem with bag soils anywhere. You always have to worry about where it's been and how long it's been sitting. Yeah. But I get a good pro mix base. I use down to earth. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, down to earth. And I use BioLive mm -hmm. and Azomite. Sometimes I'll do a small bit of the Langmanite mm -hmm. in there along with, or there's a product in the ag industry that we use for a long time called Biotone. It's not as like fancy, but I'll tell you what, for like a quarter of the price, you're getting a ton of bacteria. Yeah, that's there. right. That Biotone so, that's up on the, on the nursery shelves. Yeah, What's that yeah, brand? That, yeah. All that. Espoma. Espoma. Uh, that's so, exactly yeah, yeah. right. I call it the rainbow wall because they have holly tone, plant tone, tree tone, <laughs> pulled tone. They got all the tones. And then the, and then the Biotone. Good call. Yeah. So Biotone is one of those oddballs on that lineup that actually is a one-off really good product. The nice. rest of them are like very, very barely changed between the bags. Right. Right. But like their Biotone, is that's a phenomenal product. I suggest it for anybody growing anything outside because wow. it's cheap. It's a really cool product, but that's my base for my soils. Do you use those down-to-earth products at uh, recommended dosages? Yes, I do. I use BioLive and everything at recommended. Have I gone up and down? Sure. Have I done anything that's made a life-changing difference? No. It's, I pretty much just stick with it so that you know you don't mess it up. The other key about what I put in is a charged biochar. I am a huge proponent of biochar. Back in the day, I used to have to mix my soils, and then I, my mom and I would just like leave them in like wheelbarrows or whatever, and we'd have to deal with it later. And you'd have to charge that biochar. But now that there's products like uh, biochars out there that are blended, like Organic Mechanics has a phenomenal biochar blend. I suggest anyone that has the extra couple bucks go check it out. 
It is not cheap, but it's a really good product. And even we are working on a charged biochar right now where out of the bag, you will be able to add it to a mix and not wait for the delay. Hell we're yes. just kind of doing we're doing some finalized testing. I'm actually doing soil tests right now on that. I'm looking at a bucket of the food biochar right now. That is an experimental batch that y'all sent me. So yeah, thank you for that. And it sure yeah. feels nice. It's going to be an interesting product. I'm no biochar expert, but it looks fucking exciting to me. I'm very excited. Yeah. Well, it's 100 percent cedar. Uh, it's exclusive from a cedar farm that does only biochar from the cedar trees grown on that farm because we're very organic based. So it has to be Omri listable. So her farm happens to be Omri listable. So she's one of the only Omri listable farms that we met. Wow. So that oh, is wow. one of those that product, even down to our simple biochar, its quality is it makes a huge difference. That is very cool. So you run this um what I would say is like a moderately mineralized potting mix type solution, right? Yeah, I mean, I will definitely like I will add some sort of compost, the leaf grow, or we use leaf grow in Maryland. That's why I don't bring compost up a lot. I always forget because, like, to me, leaf grow is just like automatic. But it's a leaf compost manure that we use here. That's a local product for us. But like lobster compost, earthworm castings, both a little bit of that in there as nice. well. And then after that, yeah, I think a lot of people tend to over amend their initial soil. Because you with dry amendments, and even like when you're using liquid lines, right? Like, so I, I use dry amendments as a starting point. You know, a lot of people want to run dry amendments all through, but it's definitely tougher for you to work with. Sure. You know, it's it's a it's a different rate that it goes in. You know, with a nice liquid feed, and a lot of people did dries because they want to be organic. Well, now with Foop again is one of the it's one of the only products that are based here in Maryland and in the U.S. that is a full organic. Right. That is a liquid line you could use, and you could say because that's what I do. I use a dry amendments to start my soil. If I'm going to be lazy, I get a full a full speed soil like Ocean Forest or something. Like we all do it once in a while. Sure. But if I make my nice soil amendment, I will then just use Foop liquid, and I add no calamag. No, nothing. It is just that I do have a couple little secrets that I add in. There's one of them I will tell you is a B vitamin supplement. Sure. I love B vitamins, a couple weeks in veg, a couple weeks in flour. Mm -hmm. But in a five or seven gallon pot, I run large veggies because I like to grow the plant. So I run long veggies four to somewhere between six and eight weeks usually. And then I flip. And run a full flower, and um, it runs beautiful big plants. I run five or seven gallons. The plants get about four by four. And with a liquid feed, with no extra amendments to the grow, my base soil mix, and then liquid feeding. At this point, foop is my my base for my, my standard control, uh-huh. if I call it my control for my testing. No Calamag, no nothing. So you can scroll through in some of my old posts. I don't post a lot, but some of my couple grows ago, a lot of those are 100% poop only testing runs. Whereas I was literally not allowed to use additives because that would ruin the testing. And And there's an honor to it. So I try morally, I love to know that that product and that test was unscathed. Like no one touched it. No one could have screwed it up. If I put it in there, it's the only way it got in there. Nice, man. That is really fucking cool. Now, before we go on, 
what was your dosage with the foop and how were you watering? Do you water to runoff? I, I know we had a conversation about this oh, that, yeah. that I found pretty enlightening. So watering. So watering is very tricky, right? So it depends on your media. However, a lot of people I find, and I talk to like dozens of people a week, you know, customers of Foop that are buying $10 bottles to $30,000 to big, large commercials we work with. And I can't tell you like that people, the, the general consensus out there about how much to water is, I really feel is a little drier than people should water. I mean, I think they need to really start heavying, heavying their hand down on watering a little bit sure, and adding a little bit more because I have a lot of people say, hey, with organics, I don't want to do runoff and all. And I get that. Like, I'm not trying to tell people out there to flood their pots and fill buckets of runoff. We don't want that. A, it's wasteful. But B, you know, you don't want to wash out good microbes. Right. So, but even with an organic, like having a little bit of runoff is really important because it's the only way to know you're fully saturating your soil True. and the saturation in your soil. You know, if there's, there's grass, I mean, and this is something you could look at. And once you figure out your porosity and start doing some soil science and like mathematics on it, you know, there's a lot of rates out there that have been, you know, studied by scientists for years that say X amount of soil takes this much water to be fully saturated. Right. Right. Now that depends on, how much roots are in it? How big is the plant? You know, there's a lot of like other variables, but you know, a lot of people are putting a quarter gallon to a half gallon into five gallon pots, mm-hmm. you know, and three gallons. And that's just not what you're creating is these dry pockets. And even though you're thinking you're watering fully, you're really not. You're missing pockets that are like dry sponges. I call it the dry sponge effect because when you put a dry sponge in water, it kind of floats dry for a few hours. Right. Minutes. Hydrophobic. Right. It does, it's hydrophobic. And a lot of soils, what people don't realize, especially when you're making your own soils compared to when you're buying a soil mix, they add wetting agents. And a wetting agent, people stay away from that term. But a wedging, wetting agent can be a simple product that literally is just letting that soil reobtain water yes. at a better rate. Yeah. So it's something that we forget about when we make soils that some of them don't, you're not adding wetting agents. So if you let your soil dry really down hard one time for on purpose or accidental, then when you go to water again, you're like, oh, well, I only water X amount. Well, that first, that whole part of that goes away. Washes right off the top. Washes right off the top. Because of Pete's ability to become hydrophobic. I forget the guest that said it, but Pete is so hydrophobic when you let it dry out that in South America, they use it as roof thatching to let the rain run off the top. That's how hydrophobic it becomes. I I think it was Joshua Steensland who said that, but I was like, oh my God, it really is an important point. And like you said, yeah, people adding wetting agents to the mix. I think it's interesting because you're running, what you're describing is you're running like a like a quasi-mineralized soil or like moderately mineralized soil and then adding liquid organic nutrients. So the runoff question is like, well, in a traditional living soil, you don't want a bunch of runoff, like you said, but in a traditional bottled nutrient line, you do want that runoff. It seems like you're saying kind of shoot for the middle, like a little bit of runoff using the food. Yeah, like I run I run with a little runoff. I mean, runoff is important because not only is runoff important for a lot of reasons, even with organics, you're not worried about salt buildup but what about just PPM buildup? Yeah, mineral buildup. Sometimes, build yeah, when you water a house plant, right, and you feed it really good, and then it just kind of sits, and it doesn't get really, doesn't dry out for a long time, and then you go and, like, water it really well, it'll actually come out and look kind of like Coca-Cola. 
And like a lot of times you'll see that in all sorts of pop, no matter what product you're using. And what that is, is just a lot of buildup of, of just excess thing. Right. And a lot of times that needs to be, that needs to come out every once in a while. So watering is literally, you know, I know we spoke beforehand about like, you know, things people do that they might screw up or, but yeah. it is watering is like the toughest job of growing plants. And I, and I can't say that enough. I know I got complacent, you know, growing for like seven years or whatever. And then I got a moisture meter and I was like, holy shit, I can't water. People really say that like watering is this is one of the simplest acts of gardening, but one of the hardest to master as like a lifelong horticulturalist. Do you, do you agree with that statement? Oh, I have yet to approve anyone to trust in a weekend watering without me going in to check behind them. <laughs> Even people who have been there for years. I work seven days a week for years and years and years. I mean, I can't tell you, I went, I've gone my whole life and never really had a vacation, like a real one. And so like they, I will tell you, I wish one of those people along the ways could have watered right. But the reality <laughs> is, is that, you know, I got one person that almost got there. Right. And then she went to go have, do some schooling and had a kid and you know, whatever. <laughs> of course my luck. But I literally had like a, I always had like this idea of a degree that I would like print out and hand them and be like, you know, teary eyed because someone finally graduated my, my watering class of 14 years of experience, you know, of them actually, it's like, finally, oh, you've been here for me. 12 years. You have now watered enough, right? Like a true, but it's really that hard. And it's not like, it's not that it's like confusing. It's just that it's a lot of details. And when you see me watering and walking through, you can kind of see like, um, you can always see me like picking pots up along the way, right? Because I'm a weight pick of water. Oh, because you're a lift you're test? Watering, you're a lift yeah, test guy? Well, yeah, because when you're walking greenhouses with thousands and thousands of plants and every 10 feet a different variety that needs a different watering type, you walk around and I honestly, you don't even see me lift them. I'll pick them. I know exactly <laughs> how much of a, I know exactly how much of a bounce a one gallon pot that is, has a perennial in it has, if I kick it while walking by. <laughs> oh, and I can tell by that bounce, how much water and how long it almost took a few hours to a day or about how long until I need to make sure to water those plants. Oh my goodness. So, that's funny. But that's one of those things after 25 plus years of watering. Like, and it was the one thing I was always really obsessive about. That's why my grows look so good. And it's, it's because everybody is so worried about all these nutrient deficiencies and all. When I'm, I'll be honest, 80% of the people I talked to, they didn't water enough. They were feeding fine. They went into a deficiency. Well, they saw a deficiency because the roots had food, but it had no drink. Mm. And people forget that roots have to be hydrated to take in nutrients. That water delivery split that so H2O it has, molecule. It has to have it. So people really need to start looking at how they water and really think, am I really saturating this pot? Because I'll be honest, in my five and seven gallon pots, up until the last few days, like the last couple of weeks when they're really rooted, I go in there every couple few days. I don't walk in that room for two, three days. I will water a five gallon pot and walk away for almost three days. I'll go in there the second night just to make sure. But the reality is, is that's how long you should be able to, you know, that soil's holding water and it slowly shrinks that time nice. as the roots fill in and the soil breaks down. That is a really interesting style, man. I would love to like put together a PDF of this or something. It's just kind of, yeah, it's just kind of a very casual, like I, I know what the plant wants. I know when it needs it and I know how to give it to it. So with all of those things, 
I never walk in that room and expect a problem, you know? And if I go in that room and I see a problem, you know what's going on. And if you don't, it should, you know, just take a moment of breaking it down. But like, if there really is a problem, it's probably because I'm doing an experiment. But the reality is, is like, you should know, okay, I have a lot of people go, okay, Kyle, hey, look, I got food and I'm feeding it and now my plant's sufficient, so I need to feed more. Well, I can promise you, you don't, because if you're using the schedule and your everything's in line, then your feet, your plant is getting enough food. So now we have to figure out why it's not getting enough food. Right. And then it turns into a P, it always ends up being a pH spike they didn't pay attention to. Sure. Or honestly, underwatering. I had a guy who answered every question I asked properly. And the last thing I, he told me was, I give it a half a gallon every time I water. And I said, well, when do you up increase that watering? He goes, never. Well, he was problem was every grow in week four, he was starting to have deficiencies. And he couldn't figure out why. Well, that plant was so big and rooted, he just never increased his watering. Wow. It was the simplest mistake. He just never thought about it. So under overwatering is crazy. It's so true. I, I see it all the time, man. Oh, so just really quickly, you using Foop at full strength? It gets pretty high. That 60 milliliter per gallon. Is that what you use in your mix at the height? So, yes. But what I do is I'm, I've played a lot of ways. So I've gone a lot of ways with Foop. And in the testing, that's been my job. At one point, Larry said, this run, I want you to burn your plant. <laughs> so I was speeding three and four and 5,000 PPM trying to literally burn the plant. And he was like, if I was like, the, the loss was recoverable kind of thing. Like he was like, try to burn the plant. Wow. And what I found is that the only thing that really ends up happening is that you push yourself into a lockout because it's too heavy in the soil, which is just general knowledge. Like anything, you could just overdo the soil, but more so it did nothing. And it was just wasteful. Sure. So what I've kind of gotten people to, and when you talk to me, like, and people call me all the time, because I actually tune a lot of grows in, and a lot of the growers that will talk to me over the months will hear me tell them, like, hey, look, if you're doing this type of grow, I've gotten a lot of growers doing that with a lot less usage. So like hydro people, I'm dropping their usage somewhere between 20 and 30%, sometimes more, depending on how they're growing. I got guys, every person in the world doing some type of hydro and every type of media. Right. Right. Like, so it's the same water system, but every one of them have a different media. One's rock wool, one's cocoa, one's cocoa peat mix, one's a soil blend because they were crazy. You know, it, there's been all sorts of stuff. One guy was like, I make my own custom soil. Yeah. Right. So there's why he was having problems. So <laughs> there's a lot of things that like, People, you know, it just, you know, it happens. But there's a lot of things like that. Yeah, that just kind of, you know, it, it puts a lot of media changes into it. So I have run FOOP at half strength. I've had strains love it. I've run FOOP at full strength and I've had strains not love it. Right. So with any fertilizer and any product, it's about tuning it in to you, your environment, your plants, and your grow. You and that strain and your soil are three people that need to know each other better than anything I can tell you over from. Man, that is a really right? good point. And it, uh, the, the different yeah. feeders, the, the cultivar dependency, and then like you said, environmental factors like heat and light saturation. Right. 
I mean, some plants like it a little warmer. Some plants don't. So it's all about learning. But poop is so versatile that it does. I have tuned it into so many types of grows that I know at some level, and maybe I don't have the answer right off the bat, but like if you kind of take my thinking and you're willing to try it and you tune it in and like shoot me a text and we work it, usually I've yet to have something where we've just been like, you know what, man? Just switch somewhere else. Like try something else. This isn't going to work for you. <laughs> you can figure you it know? out, man. I think a lot of people want that though. A lot yeah. of people are really attracted to that organic certification, man. And let me break it down for you, Kyle, because like on this show, I have no masters. We pull no punches. Like one of the reasons I like working with Larry and you guys is I tell my sponsors, I'm allowed to say anything I want about your product. I'm allowed to say anything I want about competitors products. A lot of people don't like that shit. Yeah. But Larry was like, go, let's do this. And that shows confidence in the product. Now, now, that being said, let me break it down for you. I'll, I will tell you exactly what I think of this product and, and having been using it and for the audience, give you a little bit of advice, which is the organic certification a lot of people are attracted to. There's something about the aquatic microbes and the fish waste that brings out excellent flavors. I love what it does to my plants. The fact that it's a two-part bottle line makes it very, very quick and easy. However, it's probably its biggest weakness is also its greatest strength which is it doesn't have that chelation agent, right? We talk about EDTA, this acid, yep. uh, this, this, this uh, chelator that allows your yep. plants to take up all sorts of different minerals. Well, it is a forever chemical. It's in a bunch of the food we eat, gets into the water supplies. It's not a great- It's not great. It's not <laughs> great. And so when you have a product like yours, like I said, the, the biggest weakness probably being its greatest strength, you have to get that pH on point. Stabilizing that pH is critical to the nutrient uptake because it doesn't have this synthetic chelator to help buffer that. Is that an accurate statement? What do you have to say about that? Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. And, and you know, with EDTAs, what I actually, you know, grew up learning was poison, right? EDTA meant poison. Like, it's terrible. Well, I've learned a lot about it in the years, and it's not it's not just poison, right? It, it has a lot of normal usage. It does, like you said, it's in literally everything at this point. But, you know, as an organic certified, even we're even CDFA. So we're organic in California, right. which is not easy. Yeah. So you're right. I stress and I stress and people really push their lines on pH, in my opinion, my personal opinion. Where they're like, oh, well, because we're in cocoa and we're doing this and that, we're, we're running this. And, you know, there's these things. But at some point, like plants and pH, you know, the percentage of nutrient that it can take up is very all entwined. So I stress that people have to keep it pH. And one of the biggest thing is, is when you do mix food or an organic or something that's a living. I mean, once you mix food together, it's a living brew at that point. Right. So you literally are like, if you walk, if you mix it and then you're like, all right, I'm going to go get pizza. It's just pain. <laughs> and you go down and you forget. And then you end up like playing a couple rounds of Call of Duty and watching a movie. And like, you know, you go back up there. If you don't go pH it again, it's shaped. Right. It's probably spiked way down because what happens is the more microbes usage and the more microbial life, your pH drops with that. So, you know, it'll move in that couple hours. So I tell people, you know, if you're doing organics and you guys know this, you know, organics can be finicky, but once you get a groove, it's like less work, right? Like that's yes. kind of the idea. So, and that's what's poop is once you get down and you're used to it and you're pHing it regularly. I mean, I can't tell you, I can mix poop in 30 seconds in a five gallon bucket without even thinking. 
right? And just be done. Whereas, right. you know, I've run it, I run every brand. I mean, I don't have to name drop them, but I've run them all. I mean, I've run the big ones that have eight and 10 bottles. I've bought, I've run other four bottle mixes. But one of those things is like, we've all done it where you're starting to put teaspoons or ounces in and you forget. Yeah. And then somebody calls you and you look away and you look back and you're like, was that two or three? You're on part seven of 16. And you forget. Yeah, you've got one full one in your hand. And you're like, is this two or three? I don't even know at this point. <laughs> so one of those things that I found with Foop is just like, you just assume you need it and you pour it in, you overdo it a little bit. But what's nice is that versatility won't kill. Whereas if you do that with some other products that are micro fed companies like brand, where it's like each bottle is very specific. If you overfeed one of those, you could literally crash a plant. Fry your plant. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of sensitivity issues. So, and that's kind of where Foop runs into this like versatility. And even though it is specific, it does need to be, you know, it cannot be kept in a, a, a system for long. You know, I have a lot of people running DWCs, and I talked to two DWC guys today. And a lot of them, I'm just, you know, the one thing is, is I'll be honest, it's organics and you have to be up on your cleaning better. Yeah. You cannot just mix it and forget it. Like it's not just, you got to check it. If you're going to leave that in there, you got to go pH check it daily just to keep up on it. This is what real growers do anyway. But when you're coming from the salt world, you just kind of see it as a difficult or un, it's a waste of time. Oh, why should I hassle? But you're getting, like you said, a whole different world of terpenes out of organics that you will just not get with salts. I think the aquatics is a big part of it. And then something about the waste, something about that like rotting material and the com- like the compost world. You know what I mean? It brings so much flavor. But um, but before we close this subject, 6.2 is what you shoot for, correct? What are we pHing to if we're in, if we're in your style? I do 6.2. I do 6 to 6.2 is my boundary. I will never hold someone and say, if it's 6.1, you killed your plants. So I'm a realistic human. So 6 to 6.2 is a hard cutoff for veg. Perfect. 6.2 to 6.4 for flour. Oh, okay. okay. Now, with that being said, if you're running at 6.4, and what that does is it over it, it lets more availability of phosphorus and potassium. Sure, in. the macros. But what that does, it will cut down on your nitrogen uptake. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when people do this, and I suggest it, they start seeing a lighter green plant. Well, that just means maybe you run one feed or so at a 6.3 or a 6.2, and you can adjust. It, you can crop steer with your pH. Because if you're feeding the same thing every week, but you're feeding at different pHs, you're actually letting your plant be more available as long as you're having, a, you know, if your soil's not holding wet and never changing. But in the general idea, if you can tune your grow into where you're pHing, it does help your availability. A hundred percent. I see this with the other direction with micronutrient deficiencies. Like you, yeah. you can correct this deficiency simply by swinging down that pH. So. Really, really good point, man. Yeah, it's a it's a really good thing to think about. And those pH uptake charts are very important to know. Man, like I said, I would love to put together some sort of how-to or like a PDF sheet. I like your style of growing. I like that it's certified organic and you can just get this stuff from around you, like super accessible. That's what I'm focusing on with the course that I'm creating right now is like this ease, right? So I don't know, man, this has been an awesome episode. You fucking, you yeah. killed it. Uh, it's been super informative. It. Yeah. I love the veggie talk, your super simple mix. Uh, along with the FOOP organic growing style, talking about over and underwatering. We barely got to mistakes growers makes, cultivars. We're going to have to have you back on, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, you know, I tell people all the time, 
I watch these newbies walk in and go crazy about stuff. It's so simple to grow a plant. But I tell everyone, learn how to grow a plant first. Don't worry about growing cannabis. Great. Just grow a plant. Just grow one. Just, just grow it and figure it out. Feel the soil. You might try a soil your friend swears by. It might just not be how you like to grow. You may not have no life and want to be in there every day. You need cocoa, right? <laughs> if you don't, if you want to walk in there once in a blue moon because you got four kids running around and two jobs and you want soil, right? So it's a, it's a world of difference. I love like, that attitude. I'd love man. to be. I'd love to be back out and just kind of you know help people get into it and anything I can do. That's awesome. Shout out everybody. Kyle at the Foop at Green Ninja Growers. Give him a follow. Yep. Shoot him a DM. Yep. Uh, let me know if you want to see Kyle back on the show. I know you do. This was a wonderful episode. Thank you again, Kyle. Yeah. Appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, not, not a problem. Yeah, reach out to me on any profile. I've also joined your guys' Discord. I'm broods in there. Um, I might be hanging around. Just yeah, kind of just hit me up. DM me if you have any questions. I'm happy just to chat and just help any way I can. Hell yes. Shout out. out Appreciate you guys. All that support. Uh, It's been incredible for this show. So thank you for tuning in and stay tuned. We've got some awesome episodes. As you know, find everything we're doing at growcastpodcast.com slash action. Join our green list email there. It's free. Stay up to date on everything, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, We appreciate you here at Growcast and we hope you're doing amazing things in your garden. This is Kyle from the Foop and Jordan River signing off saying to you out there, be safe, everybody and grow smarter. That's our show. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you to Kyle for his first time appearance. And before we wrap it up, shout out to Photon Tech Lighting, everybody. You can go to growcastpodcast.com slash photon. It'll bring you right to the Photon Tech website. Code GROWCAST saves you 10% on your high-performance LED lights. Now, Photon Tech is dropping the X1000Watt Pro. This is the strongest light that Photon Tech made. This thing is way overpowered. You need CO2 just to keep up with this thing. Delivering 2,929 U-moles per second with these magnetic bars that easily disassemble and reassemble. It is high efficiency, high power, and you are going to love the sexy red that Photon Tech comes in. Growcastpodcast.com slash Photon. Grab yourself the huge new X1000 Pro or check out the rest of their products. The 465, which is perfect for a 4x4. They've got the 600 watt, which is perfect for a 5x5. They've got smaller ones, whatever you need. Find it at growcastpodcast.com slash photon. Use code growcast always at Photon Tech Lighting. Thank you, Photon Tech, for your amazing support. Okay, everyone, that's all for this week. I hope you're doing incredible things in your garden. Growcast is moving along. We're bigger than ever, and we've got some amazing events coming up, really dialing in this community aspect. So you stay tuned. we got some updates coming at you. we got some good episodes coming at you, so don't touch that dial. All right, everyone, we'll see you next time. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You guys think you're fancy with your, you know, mothballs, hurricane, mixed with Oreo, banana pop. No, 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 no.